Well, I was told that was my cue. When they stopped, I came up. So praise the Lord. Good morning, church. It's a joy to be here today, filling the pulpit for Robert, and um, here in much fear and trembling. Um, Last night, uh, Jeannie and I had dinner, and afterwards, um, we were just talking, and perhaps uh, in the course of our conversation, she unknowingly gave me the title for today's message, and um, it's, I guess you could call it, when everything just clicks, when everything just clicks. So, not long ago, uh, Pastor Robert um, asked for 120 people to pray 12 minutes per day, and he figured up mathematically that when you do that, we, we cover 24 hours in that day when we pray. And what he wanted us to pray for, and I have been praying, I'm one of the 120 every day, what he wanted us to pray for was that the Word would go out over radio, podcasts, SoundCloud, YouTube, the Word going out to the ends of the earth, the truth of the Word of God going out. And he gave us some scriptures, and those scriptures happen to be on the Waterhole app. You can go to them and pray over them every day. And the very first one of that group that he gave us came from 1 Corinthians 16, verse 9, And the Apostle Paul is writing, and he said that there is a great and effective door that is open to me, and there are many adversaries. And uh, so he was saying that there was a door that had been thrown wide open for the the gospel to go out, for for the word to go out, and in the course of doing that, uh, he, another uh, section of pat, uh, Scripture that he gave us was 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 5-10, through 10, and it's talking about the Thessalonian church. And um, what it says there is that our gospel came to you not just in word, but in power and in the Holy Spirit and with great assurance. And so what was happening there was that because the Word was going out, disciples were being made. People were receiving the Word of God, and and they were receiving it not just as a Word, but there was power associated with it. The Holy Spirit was mixed in it, and there was great assurance. In fact, later in that passage, it says that they turned from idols to serve the living and true God, and to wait for His Son from heaven. So what Robert has been uh, teaching all of us over the last uh, month or so is about being disciple-makers. And all we have to do is to be able to tell our story of what Jesus did in our life how we met Him, how He transformed us, how we know inside that we are no longer the same, that we are a new creation. And to be able to tell that story and then meet with people and get into the Word of God and look at it. What does it say? What does it mean? 
What am I going to do about it? And who am I going to tell? It's that simple. And so he talks to us about being disciple makers. But what I want to return to is in that 1 Corinthians 16.9, it says that, yes, there's a door of opportunity that is wide open to us right now, today. But there are many adversaries. You know, we have an adversary. And wherever the truth of the Word is, is an adversary to oppose it. And so, uh, our enemy, Satan, is the father of lies, and he wants to oppose the truth. But in the course of being um, uh, uh, being disciple-makers, Sometimes what we do is we allow that opposition in our lives. And so what I want to do today is to pick up where Robert left off last Sunday in Mark chapter 4. So get your Bibles out and turn to Mark chapter 4. And we're going to go to uh, start with verse 18. Now, all of you by this time ought to know that um, this is the parable of the sower. Jesus told this parable, and uh, now he's explaining what the parable means to his disciples. And you know that the seed that was sown is the Word. And we're not going to talk about the, the first couple of places where the seed went by the wayside and in the rocks, but we are going to talk um, verse 18, about the seed that fell among the thorns. And it represents others who hear God's Word. I'm reading out a New Living Translation, by the way. Um, represent others who hear God's Word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life, the lure of wealth, and the desire for other things. So no fruit is produced. Now, we live in the world, don't we? And in uh, Ephesians chapter 6, it, it, in verse 12, it says that we're not contending against flesh and blood, but we're contending against the principalities and the powers and the world rulers of this present darkness. So our enemy, our adversary that wants to oppose the truth is in the world and he is stealing and killing and destroying. He's opposing the truth. While we are sowing the Word, he is sowing lies. And he wants the church to be so distracted by the world and all of these things that Jesus enumerates crowded out by the worries of this life, the lure of wealth, and the desire for other things so no fruit is produced. So the bottom line is, is sometimes what we do is we end up letting the world, maybe subtly and maybe not so, crowd out the Word in our life, and as a consequence, we produce no fruit. We don't see 
disciples being made. We don't see people receiving the Word in power in the Holy Spirit and with full assurance. We don't see people turning away from idols to serve the living and the true God. Because we uh, have allowed the world to crowd it out in our own lives. I'm talking about myself. I was there, been there, done that, got the t-shirt. In fact, I have a whole bunch of t-shirts in my closet. And, and, but I don't want to live that way anymore. I want to live for Christ. Because as it says in Colossians chapter 3, Christ is all that matters. Amen? Okay, so um, 1 John 2, 15 and 16 says, Do not love the world or the things that are in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but it's of the world. And so Jesus knew that we are in the world. In fact, He even um, uh, uh, prays for us in John 17. This is a great passage. Why don't you flip over to John chapter 17. I mean, and Jesus is praying to the Father. He's bringing us, everybody, His disciples then and everybody that followed after them, He's bringing them to the throne, to the Father. And He's interceding for us. And uh, in verse 14, He says, I have given them Your Word, and the world hates them because they do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. They do not belong to this world any more than I do. Verse 17, key. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word which is truth. John 17, 17. Sanctify them in the truth. Thy word is truth. Oh, what, what a truth that is. Church, we are set apart. We are made holy. We are sanctified by the truth. And the word is truth truth. So, um, so, while we are in the world, we oppose the world by the Word. It occurred to me that there's only one letter that differentiates both of those words. There's an L in world. There's not one. There's not L in word. So we oppose the world by his word. Psalm 119.89 says, Thy eternal word, O Lord, stands firm in heaven. So his word is absolute truth. It stands firm in heaven. It has always stood firm before He ever created anything was the Word. And the Word stands true today. And the Word will stand true 
for eternity. So, His Word stands firm in heaven, and we stand firm on His Word. There's no other place to stand. When we stand on His Word, we stand in victory. When we stand on His Word, we stand in power. When we stand in His Word, we have everything that we need to live a godly life. When we stand on His Word, we have everything we just sang about earlier. We have all the promises of God. And every one of them are yes in Christ Jesus our Lord. So, even Jesus, when He was in the wilderness... Picture this. So he's led into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit. He hasn't eaten for 40 days. And Satan came to tempt him. And the very first thing he tempts him on has to do with his hunger. And he said, if you're the Son of God, turn these stones into bread. And Jesus replies with the word. And he says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And I meditated on that and turned it over and over. And, and, I, and I just came to the conclusion that I don't have to focus on the everyday food that I'm taking in when my stomach starts to rumble what I really need to focus on is the Word of life. The Word of life that comes from the Father. I need to feed upon it. I need to eat on it every day because by it, I live. So, um, we see that in um, two of my most favorite verses. Joshua 1.8, if you can picture this, Moses is, has died. Joshua is taking charge of all the Israelites, and uh, he is charged by God in Joshua 1.8. He says, This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. Then you shall make your way prosperous, and then you shall have good success. And I pondered that one. And I'm going, okay, if the Word is truth, and it never varies, it's always the same, it is absolute truth, it is the standard, there's no shadow of turning in it, it is eternal, then when he says you shall meditate on it day and night, probably means that we should meditate on it day and night. And I'm, and I'm going, oh, man, I mean, what does that look like? I'm down on my knees, and I'm, I'm meditating on His Word, and I can't get anything else done. So surely, it must mean something a little bit different than that. And it means that it's, the Word is always with us. Jesus said in Matthew 28, 20, And lo, I am with you always to the close of the age. And Jesus, by the way, is the Word, because the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, full of grace and truth. John 1.14. So, um, 
So we need to be meditating on the Word. Even in uh, Psalm 1-2, it says about uh, uh, the man that delights in the law and meditates on it day and night. And then he's like a tree planted by rivers of water whose leaf doesn't wither and bears his fruit in its season. That's what we look like when we are meditating on the Word day and night. Isaiah 55.11 talks about the fact that the Word, God's Word, goes out and it does not return to Him void, but it accomplishes his purpose. So that's, that's the truth of the Word. Because the Word never changes, because it is true, it can only do one thing, accomplish its purpose. And so that's why in the Bible we see uh, uh, pictures of that. The woman that had the flow of blood that said, if I can just get to Jesus and touch the hem of His garment... I know that I will be well. And so her faith leads her through the crowd and all the way to Jesus. And the moment she touches the Word, she is healed. The moment she touches the Word, virtue flows out of the Word and into her, and she is changed. She is healed, and she knows it. When the Word goes out and touches, it always accomplishes the truth. When Jesus stood before a grave, and He called, Lazarus, come out, the Word went out, and it accomplished its purpose. And Lazarus raises up from the dead, and he comes tottering out of the grave alive. That's the power of the Word. That's why we need to meditate on it day and night. So we oppose the lie. We stand in the truth. So... When we touch the Word, we are changed. Now, Robert has me uh, taking the Wednesday night service coming up. And uh, I'm going to um, teach a little bit more on this very point on Wednesday night. So, please come. Uh, I'm going to expand on Romans 12 too, which we're going to get to in a moment. So, little uh, public service announcement there. Um, so what I want to talk to you about now is the fact that when, when we come in contact with the Word, the Word accomplishes its purpose in our lives, and we are changed. Now, in the New Testament, there is a really cool Greek word, metamorpho. I've taught on this before, and it's the word from which we get our English word metamorphosis. And it means that something is changed from one form to another. So think the caterpillar that becomes a butterfly. That's metamorphosis. And so there's four times in the uh, New Testament that metamorpho is used. 
two times are in, the, um, in Matthew and Mark, and they both have to do with the time when uh, Peter and uh, James and John are on a mountain with Jesus, and before their eyes, Jesus is transfigured. He is changed. Metamorpho. So he is changed, and they see him in his glory. They are amazed. They're awestruck at his metamorphosis. The other two times are in two other verses in the New Testament. The first one is Romans 12, 2. This says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed, metamorpho, by the renewal of your mind, that you may prove what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So there it is again. It's when you're not conformed to the world and you let the word have its full effect, then you are transformed, metamorpho. You go from one thing to another. So the next verse is 2 Corinthians 3.18, and we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being changed, metamorpho, into His likeness from one degree of glory to another. And this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So when we come into contact with the Word, when we meditate on the Word day and night, when we let the Word permeate us, when we let the Word overshadow us and go ahead of us and follow behind us and fence us totally around, a great Hebrew word, I love shamar, it means to guard, to keep, to enclose. And when we allow the Word to do that, we are transformed. We are changed into His likeness. We become like Jesus, and we are being changed from one degree of glory to another. I am not the same person I was yesterday because I have spent time with Jesus. I went into my library this morning and I spent time with Jesus. He was right there with me and we talked about the Word and I was changed. And, and it's true for us, church. And we, be, we become brighter and brighter like Moses' face shone with the glory of the Lord when He came down from the mountain. And that's what happens to us is we're changed into His likeness. We, we behold His glory. In Hebrews 12, chapter two, or 12, verse 2, it talks about the fact that we fasten our eyes on the author and the finisher of our faith. That's how we run the race with endurance. If we don't fasten our eyes on Him, we can't run. Because He is the one that lives in us. He is the one that empowers us. He is the one that says that I can do all things in Him because He strengthens me. If I try to run under my own steam, I'm going to run out. And I will fall flat. Deuteronomy 6, 6, and 7. I'm not going to quote that, but it talks about the fact that we should have the Word and, then, and that with that Word, we should... 
talk about it in our homes, talk about it as we walk along the way, talk about it when we lie down, talk about it when we rise up, meditating on it day and night. So when I got up this morning, my first thought was the Word of God. In, in fact, oftentimes it will go right to a song. I will think about a song and I'll be whistling or humming that tune. And, and then I, I go in and the next most important thing is to brew my coffee and uh, really, really strong. And, uh, and once I get that first cup and I take that first sip, oh, I'm ready to meet with the Lord. <laughs> and I go into my library with my cup of coffee and I sit down and, and then we are immediately together and we are conversing and we're talking about things and I open up His Word and I read His Word and I record what He told me in my notebook and then I ponder it and I meditate on it and I spend time meditating, just being quiet before the Lord and listening to Him. Then I get up and I I go outside and get my dog Gypsy and we start making ranch rounds and I look outside and the sun is just cracking the eastern horizon and I'm going, oh, Father God, my first words are this is one day closer to Jesus coming back and I can't wait. And then I walk along and I go over to the chicken coop and I say, hello, chickens! Welcome to a new day that the Lord has made. And I let them out. And then, and then I go to open the front gate while my dog is chasing deer all over the place. And then I'm just marveling at His creation. And I'm expressing my heart to Him because of what He's done for me and what He's given me. And I just cannot fathom His grace toward me. It is so unlimited and so profoundly deep that I can't even understand it. And it goes that way throughout the rest of the day. Whether I have to go and pound on my tractor or uh, go, and, and go in and I have to study <clears throat> because I'm doing a fellowship and in integrative medicine, I study, but the Word is never, it's always in my mouth. I'm always pondering it. And as I study, I think, oh, Father, so I see how this all fits together because I know His Word. I hide His Word in my heart, and He's always speaking to me. That's how we meditate on His Word day and night. His Word goes with us. He's always with us. He's always right beside us. Oh, even better, He's in us. He lives in us. It is no longer we who live. Christ has become our life. And so He's living His life in us. And so we have this eternal conversation with Him. And His Word is always nigh. So I want to get to the story of click. That's where we started. When everything just clicks. Um... I have a good friend and colleague who is a professor of engineering at the University of Texas Arlington. And you have to understand that in my prior life in the Air Force, uh, one of the things that I was responsible for was human performance. 
Um, and uh, even today, uh, I continue to work on that in, in another area. Uh, and, um, and I'm always uh, interested in how we can always perform better. How we can sustain our performance, how we optimize and enhance our performance. And so, my colleague at UTA has come up with a theory called General Systems Performance Theory, or GSPT for short, and it's a great way for understanding performance. And I'm not going to get into all the details, but, but, but I want to get to the, the whole idea of click, is that each of us, if we're going to have to do a task, we have to have a certain amount of resources in order to do that task. And so, uh, uh, my colleague describes it as a performance envelope, and there's a threshold uh, that you need in order to do a task. So, let's say we want to go out and chop some wood with an axe. Well, one thing that you're going to need is grip strength, right? you got to hold on to the axe, and you have to have enough grip strength in order to keep the axe in your grip, that it doesn't fly away, and then the next thing you probably have to have is enough muscular strength to give the old heave-ho and come down with enough force on the log to split the log. And then the third thing you probably need is some hand-eye coordination, so that when you bring the axe head down with that tremendous force, you hit the log right where you need to hit it so that it will split. Now, if you don't have enough of even one of those, you will not be able to achieve your task. So if I don't have enough grip strength and I go up here and then the axe just flies and goes off, uh, you know, 25 feet, then I can't accomplish my task. If I don't have enough muscle strength to bring it down to split the wood, I'm not going to have any firewood. And the same thing with hand-eye coordination. If you miss the log every time, you're not going to split much wood. So you have to have enough of those resources that come up to that threshold. And when you're at that threshold and you have all of that resource, then it clicks. Right? And then you grab it, you go up here, split the log. Put another one up there, grab it, split the log and it clicks, and you're in a rhythm, and you're just in there, and you're just splitting wood. Now, I want to tell you a story that came, comes out of my own life uh, to, to demonstrate this. It's a lot better than splitting wood. So when I was in Air Force pilot training, um, I had advanced in pilot training to the advanced trainer. The T-38, some of you may know what that is, it's a two-seat supersonic uh, jet. And um, one of the things that we had to learn how to do was to fly in formation. And not just fly in formation, but to fly in close formation. Now close formation is when you have a, the lead airplane here, and then you come in, you may be sitting out here, and, and he wags his wings like this, and it says, I want you to come into close formation. And so you're supposed to come right up here and get to three feet wingtip clearance. And so as I was learning this, uh, 
I would come in, and, and the closer I got to that airplane, the faster my breathing got. The harder I gripped that stick, and the more I moved the throttles. It was like I was sawing wood with the throttles. That's not good when you're getting in close to another airplane. And, and, and then as I got in there, and as I was going, <laughs> and, and moving the stick around and moving the throttles around, you could imagine what my airplane was doing. It was going like this. It looked like I was having convulsions. And my, my instructor pilot would say, uh, okay, I have control. And he'd take the airplane, and we'd just move right in there nice and smooth. And he'd show me, and then we'd go back out, and we'd try it again. And I'd come in there. <laughs> so there's an element of resources that I needed. What might they be? Well, number one, I would have to have some finesse. In fact, my instructor said, I want you to take your hand off of the stick and just grab it with your thumb and your forefinger and fly like that. And that way he got me to quit having a death grip on the, on the stick. And then the, another thing I needed was a, a sense of um, uh, situational awareness. Where was I in space? How close was I closing in on the other aircraft? Um, and, and being able to do it. You know, it's like when you first start driving a car and you're getting very mechanical about putting a steering wheel here and looking over there and all that, but now it's second nature to you. And so I had to come to that point, and I did. One day, we were out uh, uh, practicing in the area, and now we're coming back as a four-ship to uh, land at the airfield, and we were coming in to the initial approach fix of an instrument approach to penetrate and, and go down to land. And as we approach the initial, uh, initial approach fix, the, instru the instructor, the lead aircraft, wagged his wings, which meant I had to come into close formation. And I went, shook. And I just stood there. And, and I was there. And I, and I was just, I wasn't hyperventilating. I was just barely moving the stick. I was just barely rocking the throttles because it was, had two engines, so you had a throttle for each engine, just rocking the throttles. And I just was rock solid. And I went to myself, I went, cool. <laughs> and uh, it occurred to me right then, it just clicked. You've been there. All of you have been there. When it just clicks. And that's where we need to come in our Christian walk. When we have enough of the Word that gets us up to that threshold of performance, and we know the Word, and when we operate in any situation, and we have the attending truth of the Word that opposes the lies of the world, that opposes all of the lures and the attractions of the world, all the distractions of the world. When we are operating there, then we come to that point 
where we walk and it just clicks. And that church is entering into His rest. It just clicks. We enter into His rest and we stay there. Now, 2 Timothy 3.16 and 17 talk about this because it takes training. And so 2 Timothy 3.16 and 17 says, all Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for, for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, fully equipped for every good work. So when we take the Word and we... We study it, and we make it ours, and we hide it in our heart, and, and, and it keeps us on the, the, the path to our glorious destiny, and it teaches us we come to the point where it just clicks. And then we are complete, and we are equipped for every good work. That brings us full circle to where we started today with a door that is wide open and effective. And even though we have many adversaries, they're just adversaries. The adversary cannot win. We already have the victory. And so we stand in the Word, we stand in that place of rest, and we walk in it. And we become disciple makers and we enjoy everything that's associated with it it's known as the fruit of the spirit we know the fruit of the spirit we know the love the joy the peace we know all of those things because we have all of the resources that we need we do not let the world crowd it out Amen? Okay. So, we're going to have communion. And um, as you come up to the communion table to take the bread and the cup, uh, I want you to think about this. To, to do business. In Freedom Prayer, we call it doing kingdom business. And you come up and, and, you, and you just come to the throne of grace, to the Father, and um, in recognition of what Christ Jesus has done for us, and agree with the Father. And say, Father, that's where I want to be. I want to be in that place of click. I agree that I want to meditate on Your Word day and night. I agree that I want to not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of your mouth. Let that be your prayer today as we share in communion. So, if uh, I could have the pastoral team come up. Praise the Lord. So, on the night that he was betrayed, Jesus and his disciples were celebrating the Passover meal. And as they were partaking, Jesus took the bread and he blessed it. 
And he broke the bread and he passed it out to the disciples. And he said, take, eat, this is my body that was given to you. Do this in remembrance of me. And after that, after supper, he took the cup and he said, this is the new covenant of my blood given to you, poured out in sacrifice for the remission of sins. So, as we take the bread and the cup, um, talk to the Lord about your uh, relationship with His Word and what you're going to do with His Word. Amen? Hello, this is Robert Richards, and you're listening to The Waterhole, our weekly broadcast which is now available on iTunes and all major podcast platforms. You can also watch the weekly video broadcast on our YouTube channel. Links in the description. I pray this has been a blessing to you. And if you've enjoyed this message, please share this with a friend. God bless you. And remember, no matter where you are and what you've done, Jesus loves you.